0: Welcome aboard the Little Red Bandwagon, your twice-weekly podcast about the podcast Too Beautiful to Live, the podcast that inspires community, joy, and a bit of outrage, in the words of Jen Flash Andrews. It's on the top of our run sheet every week, and once in a while, I just like to read it. This is a Monday recap edition of the show, and joining me to hash out last week's TBTL in Dallas, Texas, Meredith Mahan. Good morning, Meredith. Good morning, Bobby. And back at home in New Brighton, Minnesota, and Lundholm. Good morning, Ann. Good morning, Bobby. And as always, or at least almost always, I'm in Pawtucket. Glad to be with you for another Monday recap. We'll do your LRB business, followed by your Week Review housekeeping and how you can get involved with the show, starting with a reminder that if you haven't listened to Friday's show yet and you're a really, truly big fan of ours, you should, because it's just about an hour of us talking about us. And uh, we enjoyed recording it. I hope you'll enjoy listening to it. That was me and Christy and Mike just doing a, an all-around housekeeping follow-up file edition.
1: I thought it was great.
0: Yeah, I only regretted two or three or four or five of the things I said, so it was fine.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so par for the course. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Um Really, in essence, all we did was what every podcast has been doing for the last 15 years or so, which is that we opened up the microphones and talked about ourselves without much of a plan for about an hour.
3: Hmm.
1: Sounds familiar. Yeah. Like a show we all might know.
0: (laughs) So, you know, consider it an homage, if you will. Uh, But we won't be doing that regularly. We just had a lot of little things we wanted to get to. Uh, So again, go listen to the Friday show. And I see added to the notes here, um... If you're not sure what to bring to the LRB picnic, I don't blame you because it's not uh, a simple thing to figure out. But Mike outlined on Friday's show his definitive system on determining what you should bring based on the letters in your name. And because it was complicated and because we did ask for it, listener Burton has created a generator that will spit out what letter your food has to start with based on the letters in your name. You just punch in your information and it spits out the rest, which is good because Christy and I did the math for our names on the show on Friday. And it was not a small amount of time it took to figure it out.
1: (laughs) It was confusing. Thank you for that, Burton.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Um, Simplified things greatly. I do wish, however,
2: that Mike had maybe run this particular scheme past a a lady scientist or two because I do have a few concerns, uh, specifically considering the early letters of the alphabet uh it takes a very specific set of conditions to get say an a or a b and so i'm a little bit worried that they're going to be underrepresented at the picnic
0: uh considering gender a condition (laughs) it's a little narrow-minded there Anne. well uh yes no i i uh I think there was a solution to this. It, it, I think Burton's calculator wraps around, mm-hmm. right? So if you mm-hmm. if you uh, go go far, you go back in. It's a, time is a flat circle of letters for the picnic.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just thinking of it kind of like uh, when you roll a pair of dice. There's only one way to get a two. You have to get a one and a one. And there's only one way to get a twelve. You have to get a six and a six, but to get a seven, you have a whole bunch of different combinations. So all the letters in the middle, there's a lot of different ways that you can get to them, but the letters on the end are a little bit more difficult.
0: I'm hearing just a little sparkle in your voice and like, like you're just realizing <laughs> that you with your math skills could go to <laughs> Vegas and really clean up. <laughs> I'm sorry you, that you just explained the odds of craps.
2: <laughs> that Those probability classes are, are coming back to
0: me. <laughs> That's why I don't gamble. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I just I can't wait to see Anne with a fake mustache and a blackjack table. <laughs> uh, we have a whole mess of Throw Your Phone moments courtesy of throwyourphone.com. Really courtesy of all of you fine Wagoneers, but facilitated through perhaps the greatest thing we've ever done. And by we, I mean Jeremy, which is to uh, register the domain name throwyourphone.com. Um, and you've compiled some of these And we just have to say everyone We love you all It's not that we're not coming to all of them We've been reading them all So when people send those They go directly to all of our email inboxes And we have been delighted yes. uh, By the onslaught of, um, of commentary Both negative and positive About TBTL and LRB uh, Which we greatly appreciate uh, But we've picked some from the set to feature And I think we just want to start out With just a couple of them About last week's recap
2: Yes, Lauren wrote to us saying, this is just such a a fun, sweet note that says, thinking about familial tradition of podcasting made me very happy, stemming back to the discussion of Luke and Andrew being jealous of manly men with their landscaping jobs. And uh, (laughs) I was saying that they weren't trapped into the tradition of podcasting. And Mike said, like my father and his father before him, (laughs) you don't have to be podcasters. (laughs) I love that. Uh, Then we also got a note from Bette who says, I never realized how many things Luke mispronounces before the whole bagel, bagel thing. Episode 2412 made me realize how many little slips there are from him. When he said Emilio Estevez's name and said his last name just wrong enough, it was the last straw in that episode. I had been trying, but the phone flew. I don't remember exactly. I remember uh, kind of. Picking up that he said it strangely, like Estevez or something. Yeah, he just emphasized the wrong syllable. I know. Well, my particular bugaboo in this week's crop of episodes was how he insisted in saying, Yo play. Throughout <laughs> that discussion. <laughs> it was Yo play the whole time. And I was like, really? Come on now. That's not even obscure. No. Nope.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, I always just pronounce it Charlie Sheen. So that's how I right go away with it. yeah it <laughs> yeah, works. All right, we're gonna have more through your phone moments uh, sprinkled like uh, like just the right amount of MSG over our week in review. But before we do that, um, and you were mentioning it just before we started, but congratulations on getting um, uh, fast, effective internet. Finally, we're so proud.
2: Thank you. Well, fast is a relative term. <laughs> Not to get too far into the details of it, but I was. Uh, chugging along at one point five megabits per second, right It's just like one step up from dial up <laughs> and when I called up the the um, internet people and I said, I want to go up to seven, she was like, Well, you know we can get you up to forty and I said, Let's not be crazy here.' <laughs> Because the seven is only $2 more per month, and that's all I'm willing to go at. So we'll just have to start there, and then maybe in another five years, I can go up to 12.
0: (laughs) So I'm just, uh, let's see, $2 a month got you up to seven. Mm -hmm. And they sent out a new router because yours uh, was, or your new modem, because yours was an antique.
2: Right, but I had to pay for that.
0: I'm sorry. Uh, $2 a month is $24 a year, which is almost a jam. Yeah. So if it comes down to that, we can get you out of a jam, man. We know we know a mm-hmm. way. Okay. All right. If I'd All gone right.
2: up to 12 it would have been $7, and that was just not cool. Ooh, yeah, that would have been <laughs> at least a couple of jams. <laughs> uh,
0: why don't we get started with our Week in Review, Meredith?
1: All right. Monday, 2410. Smoke gets in your... Zyze. Uh, before I listened to this episode, I saw the title and I thought it was XYZ. Mm-hmm. And they did comment later that it wouldn't make any sense out of context. It
0: doesn't. Uh, I definitely um, thought they meant that so smoke gets in your, your fly, like your zipper. Oh, oh, okay. And I was confused and aroused until I found <laughs> out that it was actually... <laughs>
1: All right. Uh, We begin the week talking about how Rudy is the newly appointed Bay City lifeguard. And I would encourage you all to check out her Instagram, which is pod.dog. For more info, there's a very adorable picture of a hot water bottle dressed in a tank top. (laughs) Yeah. Next to a pool. Andrew immediately botches a joke and blames it on the fact that he is uh, standing but doesn't have a standing desk. Uh, So he redoes the intro. By saying that sometimes the bar eats you drop and then kind of sings the intro, it was a real great start to the week. Yeah, yeah. he was definitely a little
0: broken right at the start there. <laughs> I mean, it was funny, but it was definitely a little out there. It yep. just needed I maybe would have uh, stopped. Yeah,
1: yeah I would have maybe started over.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, Luke's allergies from last week are better, but he doesn't know if it's homeopathy or big pharma. <laughs> and this was definitely <laughs> my throw your phone. Uh, Segment for the whole entire week. Um, This was so irritating to me. So first of all, what he did was uh, he went to the drugstore and got some Zizol, which is a relatively new allergy drug. And uh, he took that, and his allergies got a little bit better. Hmm. Um, Figure. (laughs) Um,
2: It has an owl mascot, and you you had a good... uh, A good thought on this owl mascot. He was talking about how he took the Zyzol, and then he looked at the side effects. And one of them was that it puts you to sleep because it is a sleep aid. And he was like, well, how would you know? And I was like, you just (laughs) talked about how their mascot is an owl. What do you think that means? (laughs) Oh, boy.
1: Um, Luke had gone to the small pharmacy near him that he wanted to support. Um, but he said it kind of sucks and it never has anything. (laughs) Um, I went and looked up the uh, clinical studies for Zizol that they have to put in the documentation of the drug, and uh, I did write down that it's worth noting that the studies didn't include a sufficient number of geriatric patients, so maybe it's not safe for Luke to take. (laughs) Um, my vet did recommend Zyzol, uh, eye drops for Eddie because he's got some little eye itchies and it was very effective and it didn't put him to sleep, unfortunately. Um, the other thing that he tried, um, which he called homeopathy was eating some honeycomb. And I have to say right off the bat, that's not homeopathy. Nope. Homeopathy is a crazy pseudoscience where, uh, minuscule amounts of something that would, um, induce illness in a healthy person is meant to cure that same illness in a sick person. Um, And the the more diluted it is, the more effective it is thought to be. And that is just so insane on so many levels. But also eating honeycomb is not homeopathy. So I think he must have been thinking of probably the word holistic, maybe, Mm -hmm. I think he was trying to say. But um, I did a bunch of reading on on, uh, local honey and allergies, and it's an interesting thought. And it has uh, not a crazy theory behind it. The idea is that it would have uh, the pollen from your local area, and it it could kind of inoculate you against those sensitivities. Um, And and that sort of works the same way that allergy shots work. The differences are that there's no way to tell how much pollen is in honey. And when it's tested, it's often tiny, tiny, tiny amounts. And allergy shots have very precise measured amounts that are, uh, I think they're tailored to the person and what you're allergic to. Honey also has a little bit of bee body parts and venom and bacteria and mold. Um, So if you're looking for tiny amounts of pollen to help you and you think that tiny amounts of mold are not going to hurt you, I don't really get that logic. Um, The other thing is that bees don't make honey from pollen. They make it from nectar. Right. (laughs) The pollen is incidental. Um, (laughs) Flower pollen is usually not the thing that people are allergic to. As we can recall, Luke cut the grass and then got allergic, and bees don't pollinate grass. So... (laughs) You know, I don't know. He clearly didn't think this through, and I'm picking it apart too much. Um, The other thing is that people who will tell you to do this say that it takes a while to work, which is usually about the same amount of time that it takes for their allergens' particular season to pass. So a lot of this is anecdotal evidence, and the studies haven't borne it out. So I would take his eyes all over, chewing on some honeycomb. Also, she had him eat the wax. Gross.
0: As I wrote the quote... He started chewing it and then thought, "Quote, nope, this is not a thing we swallow." <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's not. <laughs> Do you guys remember those wax lips that you would get when you were a kid? Yeah, but yep. I wouldn't eat those. Well, I when I think the first time I had them, I thought I was supposed to, and I just oh.
0: like chewed and
1: chewed, and she was like, "What is the point of this? This doesn't taste good anymore, and it hurts my jaw." <laughs>
0: Uh, I hear that's great for chapped lips, though. Yeah, probably. I mean, they're waxed lips, so they have a little bit of it in them, and you're just microdosing. It's fine. True. Yeah. True. Okay. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah. Um,
1: We talk a little bit about what honey actually is. Luke calls it bee dookie. Um, (laughs) It's not much better. It actually is bee vomit from their honey tummy, which is adorable. They puke it from one bee to the other.
3: Aw, that's so cute.
1: It is so cute.
0: It's also thoroughly disgusting. Yeah, but it's so delicious. I do like honey. I microdose honey. Uh, I put it. I put just a little bit of honey in a mix of uh, black Irish tea and whiskey, and I drink it, and I always feel better. That sounds
1: delicious. Yeah, um, is that it on honey?
0: I sure think so.
1: I feel like I went a little too deep on it. Sorry. No,
0: I. The minute this came up on the show, I knew it was going to be okay for me to just sit back and eat some popcorn while you guys talk. <laughs>
2: Look, just because you take the time to do a little research and read before you talk about some pseudoscientific things, that doesn't (laughs) let Luke off the hook. Nope. The whole time that he was talking about eating the honey, though, I was thinking to myself, does he not realize how high carb honey is? Yes, (laughs) me too. She
1: just gave him a load of carbs and wax. That's all it was.
0: It is just a concentrated sugar bomb. That's a good point. Yep.
1: Uh, we get an update on Andrew's party over the weekend, or I should say Vives party that Andrew begrudgingly participated in. He made a ton of salads. Um, for being a reluctant participant, He's, he sure did go all in on the food. Um, and then he grilled, um, but miscalculated the time it took to make a bunch of frozen burgers and made a, a, a whole crowd of children very sad, waiting for their food.
0: <laughs> I did like the picture of like an Oliver Twist bread line of children yeah. just <laughs> standing there with empty plates
1: uh luke again tells the story about a house party he had in la uh where by 3 a.m he hadn't eaten anything so he found a hot dog on the floor and ate it while hiding from new people who wanted to come to the party
2: <laughs> i think it all depends where on the floor the hot dog was if it's like half under the stove no way no. am i eating that but if it's just like lying in the middle of the floor where i sweep a mop often i might go for that if i was desperate well
1: and you could rinse it off. Hot dogs are relatively non-porous, I that's think. That's true. Well, I don't know. That's probably not... I don't know if
0: that's true or not. <laughs> Guys, do you know what else hot dogs are? Hot dogs are, generally speaking, impressively inexpensive. <laughs> 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 Just get a new goddamn hot
1: <laughs> Good point. Uh, next up is Sky Jinx Woo. We get a terrifying story about an Air Asia flight that was... Shaken real, real bad from Perth, I think, to Kuala Lumpur, and it. it um, we didn't get to see the video, but we heard the audio of everything rattling in kind of a terrifying way. But somebody still managed to get up and go to the bathroom. What? <laughs> on- <laughs> Which people will do in any scenario on an airplane?
2: <laughs> Wait, who is this crazy person that would voluntarily unbuckle their seatbelt during this kind of turbulence?
1: I know. They theorized that maybe they were going to throw up and maybe they had exhausted their bags in, in their seat. I don't know. I mean, I, that's the only scenario I can imagine where I would get up. I no. can
0: argue the con here. Um, let's say you have a sensitive bladder and you don't even have to have that sensitive of a bladder. If you're being thrown around on a you know shake table of a plane and you hit that vibration just right, you might really, really, really need to go. And at that point, your choices are go in your seat or go to the bathroom. And I also have this logic about seatbelts on an airplane where it's not – seatbelt's not going to save you, you know? So, um, you know, I, I could definitely see myself being the person who's like, well, fuck it. I'm going to go. I'm either <laughs> going to live or I'm not. So I'm going to go.
1: I don't know. I have a few thoughts on that. Like I think uh, in in a terrifying situation like that, your body shuts those things down. Like you don't have to pee anymore because you're terrified. Like fight or flight – makes it so you're not hungry anymore and you don't have to pee anymore. Um, and I think I would be that terrified yeah, in this situation. And I think those, those things kind of slow themselves down and, and prepare you to, what, vault yourself out of an airplane. I mean, I don't think we evolved to deal with this situation. Um, but also, like, if you had to pee that bad and you were that terrified, you might just, like, go and not notice that's, it.
0: <laughs> that's a good point. But it's also been, like, it's the monotony of fear. I mean, because this plane's been shaking for, like, an hour
1: yeah how numb do you get to it right and then well maybe when the when the second time the pilot comes over the pa and asks people to pray then maybe i would just pee my my pants yeah well
0: <laughs> you know i mean at this point i've already got my foot in your bag so yeah. i'm already pretty comfortable I've, I've i've settled down
1: here let me just unzip the bag for you and you could pee in it oh. <laughs> your bare foot's already been in there so what difference does it make Uh, Luke points out that the pilot may have a responsibility to not ask people to pray because it will just freak them out even more, which I agree with. And he also mentions that if God can fix a mechanical problem of this nature, he can do it on the pilot's prayer alone. (laughs) We don't need another 200 people to add their voices to this request. It's
0: not a class action lawsuit of prayer.
1: (laughs) We can just get five more people. Yep.
0: God's like, "Mm, I don't know.
1: I didn't hear from that
2: guy or that guy.
0: So... How great would it be if the pilot and co-pilot came on and did it a whole pledge drive for it? <laughs>
2: <laughs> we have some wonderful thank you gifts, including not dying today. <laughs> Andrew is super freaked
1: out by this, and this isn't the first time in the week that we'll hear about his increasing fear of flying, um, which is interesting. I'm not sure where this is coming from. I don't know if he really explains that, but he said if he went
2: through this, he would probably never fly again. Yeah, I don't know. I'm wondering if it's an age thing where he's sort of um, feeling his mortality a little bit more.
1: Well, yeah, I guess it must be. But like, you know, whenever he talks or when anyone talks about the dangers of flying, I mean, statistically, sorry, I'm a statistician. It's it's extremely dangerous to be in a car, Mm -hmm. way more dangerous than being in a plane. Mm -hmm. I think you just feel like you're more powerless in a plane. Um, right, but you're in much more danger in a car, so I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's maybe, not a logical fear. Yeah,
2: maybe it's about control. He talks about control a little bit more later in the week, so that could definitely yeah. have something to do with it.
1: Yep. Uh the next story which they'd been teasing for days and days we finally get um is a 26-minute video of people in the electronics section of Fred Meyer and they just described some stuff to us. is um, anybody a, else just mystified by why they were so a little underwhelming? Into this? Yes, I'm not going to sit and watch a 26-minute video of this. F- found audio and video and, and stuff like that is very interesting to me. And I know they've had Davey Rothbard on the show before, who is the um, author of Found Magazine, and I love that magazine. I've got every episode or whatever it is, every version of it, um, and I love that stuff. But this was just not. This didn't translate very well.
0: I want to get Found Magazine, but it's not available with United Sky Miles. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so texas monthly it is
1: <laughs> um they talk a little bit about the value of keeping stuff and luke kind of goes on a weird tear about how you should keep all sorts of garbage um
2: because of memories i guess i guess yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. i do <laughs> i guess i would like to keep maybe a little garbage but not a lot of. Garbage. Yeah, I have one box. I think
1: of like dumb little mementos. Yeah, and most of it is in my brain, and that's fine. And I think having a camera on us at all times helps now because I will scroll through my photo library from years ago and be like, "Oh, I remember." You know, it remind it triggers little memories mm-hmm. that probably would be lost otherwise. And so, for me, that's taking the the place of having to collect stuff. And I appreciate that because I don't like collecting stuff. Me either. Uh, we get an email from listener Rob, who drove trucks in the Yukon, talking about these disgusting toe shots. And he claims a friend of his drank something called a foot, which is five toes. Oh. <sighs> Ugh.
0: Well, I mean, I guess if you're in for an inch, you might as well.
1: <laughs> I guess. Go That's, I'd have like... to be so drunk to do that. Ugh, <laughs> well, you would can't. by the time you got to the little yeah, piggy. Yeah, true. True. And Rob said that he himself did one toe shot. Uh, The guys speculate about the owner of the toe a little bit, about how it would be to lose a toe, which toe you would want to lose. Uh, Luke says that he would lose his ring toe under anesthesia for $25,000. And Andrew was like, oh, way less than that.
0: (laughs) Andrew's just looking for a lunch. Yep. Just a nice pastrami sandwich. Um, I did like the conversation about which toe to pick. And I would call that your your fourth toe. I don't like the idea of thinking of it as your ring toe. (laughs) Yeah, that's a little weird.
1: Oh, well, I think that was my term. I don't think that no was i
0: do- i do believe that was oh was it yours i I wrote the same thing originally, so I couldn't remember if it was on i didn no I think
1: they said fourth I think they said fourth and i call no, it I a have ring toe.
2: toe in quotes Meredith so oh okay ah. well,
1: um, Andrew says his grandpa didn't have a big toe. that would be very difficult for me i you know toes are very important for balance and as someone who does a lot of yoga like you start to realize all the tiny little muscles that are in your toe when you're trying to balance your whole weight on one foot mm-hmm. um and it reminds me of i had a neighbor um growing up uh, the family was from vietnam and the the dad had lost the majority of his toes from landmines in vietnam actually vietnam not korea um, <laughs> and, but he got along just fine. Like you totally figure out how to make that work. And he, w- you know, was completely mobile, but, uh, that's terrible.
0: I don't do any yoga, but I fall down a lot. So <laughs> the last thing I need is to lose it to <laughs> <you know. laughs>
1: Um, and then finally for Monday, we get a voicemail. Um, a listener who had downloaded the ghost hunter app, took it to a restaurant and the app kept saying, David, uh, which the waiter pointed out was a guy who used to work at the restaurant and died of cancer and it freaked everybody out. Um, and I think that'd be a classic example of like what uh, confirmation bias Sounds where you about pay right. attention to the stuff that fits and ignore the stuff that doesn't.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. I wanted to note before we move on to Tuesday, as some listeners, astute listeners will know, I'm a member of the Pawtucket fireworks committee, which is the committee that raises money for the fireworks display after the 3rd of July baseball game at the uh, Pawtucket Red Sox-McCoy Stadium. It's a big, huge display, so you can see it from all around, and it sort of serves as the community's fireworks. I say this not only because those are happening uh, this week, but also because we do various fundraising events. And before I actually became the chairman of this committee and a bunch of people who had been around for a long time were still in charge, one of the events that they had done a couple of times is to bring in a medium- and do an event where people paid actual American dollars to sit in a room <laughs> where a medium walked around and did, like, that guy whose name I can't remember does. Oh, John oh, Edwards. Yes, does on – yeah, right, uh, with the $3,000 haircut, does yes. uh, on TV where he just manipulates a room full of people that way.
1: I think for the most part that's harmless fun. Yeah. You know, it's kind of it's kind of interesting and it's funny when they hit on something and it feels like it's real. Right. Um, but I think most people know it's not. Yeah.
0: And I watched this happen in person to a small group of people, like 30 people, um, a couple of years ago. And in the moment, you're you're starting to think to yourself, wow, that's actually kind of amazing how quickly mm-hmm. that person does that. And then you step back and you're like, oh, right, that person's a, an, an expert manipulator. Right. right. Mm, yep. So anyway, I, I've seen it in person and I can see both how it mystifies people and how it's bullshit.
2: <laughs> Bobby, that's I all. have a question about the Pawtucket Fireworks Committee. Sure. What would you say the average age of committee member is?
0: Uh, 58. 60. Okay. And then there's me. And I am now in charge. So there you go.
1: Are you dragging that average down or are you not including yourself in that average?
0: Uh, I think I'm dragging it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, a bunch of people rolled off because uh, the Paw Sox tried to move the team out of Pawtucket a couple of years ago and they were trying to build a stadium somewhere else. They were trying to build in downtown Providence and then that plan fizzled because it was heavily taxpayer dependent and uh, they kind of came back with their tail between their legs which was great for Pawtucket because we get to keep the team and the tax revenue that comes with having a ballpark full of people who come in all the time. Um, But there was a lot of sheepishness about supporting an event that revolves around a team that tried to leave us. Mm. So (laughs) all of the people who've been on the committee for like 20 years all looked around and said, you know what? Fuck this, we're done. And they walked away. And so there's me and like the handful of holdovers who were willing to give it another try left. And so suddenly I'm in charge and we're redoing everything from scratch. I just like the idea that I'm the chair of a nonprofit that raises money to blow up every year. <laughs> because literally the only expense the committee covers is twenty five thousand dollars worth of fireworks. So
1: Well, you're also dazzling people and terrifying every dog in town.
0: Yes. Yes. And I recognize that. I'm sorry to the pet owners, but uh one weekend a year, it, fireworks are, are mostly legal in Rhode Island anyway, so if it wasn't us, it would still be your asshole neighbor.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh we'll go to Tuesday, twenty four eleven, a sense of hoplessness. Uh this is an amusing an amusing show.
3: Uh-huh. Mm-hmm.
0: Luke says it's uh forty two ten, so He got the number wrong by one. He was looking at yesterday's run sheet. Uh, And he wants a fully brand TM sit-stand desk like the ones that they have at Livewire. Uh, But he hasn't quite managed to um, not tell them because he doesn't want to tell them. But he hasn't managed to convince them surreptitiously that he should have one for his house. Uh, and Andrew tells of a story at KCRW where they were test driving sit-stand desks, so they were rotating them, which sounds like the most disruptive thing you could do in an yeah. office. hmm Sounds awful.
2: I don't understand how that will work. I, I, I assume I, it's the people that are rotating, not the actual desks?
0: I was just imagining that every two weeks, a couple of crews, a couple of guys from maintenance come and tell you to clean off your desk and swap <laughs> it in and out. You just have to keep rearranging your life. That's efficient. That's yeah. a good way
1: to work. Well, yeah. You know,
0: it's public radio. Yeah. Um, Luke is sitting on a rocking stool That fully sells Which sounds fine I actually like sitting Like when I host trivia I try to sit on a stool I actually have a stool That I take to some bars If they don't have a good one for me um, But it's not a rocking stool I'm a little jealous But mostly just think it's ridiculous
1: I would like to have a rocking chair in my house But I think every animal who lives here Would not have a tail after a little while So I don't mm.
0: That is an excellent point, point. and that's also like a classic animal kingdom fear, right? Cats and rocking chairs. Yep,
1: <laughs> yeah. yep. And um, what are they called? The uh, the recliners. Yes, they're terrible, uh, terrible.
0: Oh, we have a sofa that that has an automatic, like electric button recliner on both sides, and I am paranoid every time I get up. Like I look around, and I'm like, okay, cupcakes over there.
1: Yes, <laughs> yes. I have to check. I check where uh, what's going on behind me every time I push my chair out from my desk. I have a chair on wheels, and. Yep. They, they like to lie underneath the wheels.
0: Yeah, it's only it's only once a week or so that I almost trip over the cat in the kitchen, just my feet and the cat. Once yeah. you bring furniture into the mix, it gets really scary. Yes. Uh, Luke made a Dave Davies joke on Twitter, which I only mentioned because I think Mike and I get more joy out of jokes about Dave Davies <laughs> take covering for Terry Gross. <laughs> I liked it. Uh, and yes, so the the running joke that that Mike has and that I've jumped in on is that if, Dave, if Terry Gross wants a long weekend, she'll just go smother someone who she interviewed in the '90s, so that Dave Davies can come <laughs> in and replay the interview. So watch out, aging celebrities who've been on NPR. It's summertime. Uh, also, they call Terry Gross tea buns which I'm spelling nope. T hyphen B-U-N-C.
1: Why? Where no. does that come from? I don't know. I mean, T guns would make more sense, right? Because right? the G, mm-hmm. right?
0: G. So it's not T buns; it's T guns. Got it. Tea I guns. like
1: T guns with a
0: Z still, because yeah, she's yeah, yeah, totally. Oh, yep. Clearly. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean it is W H Y Y in Philadelphia. They're not. They're not fucking around in Philadelphia. It's true. You know, she knows what goes on at T Motown Philly's back. Yeah, yeah, it is. More to follow.
2: Yeah. Uh,
0: they're recording two shows today because of the upcoming travels. Just a heads up on that. And Luke, because he needs to pack and because he's getting ready to meet his uh, biological family side, his father's family, uh, has decided instead to power organize his sock drawer.
1: Makes sense. (laughs) I like this method of dealing with anxiety. When I get very angry, I usually drive. um, I listen to some very loud music and drive to the grocery store and go grocery shopping. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I channel my anger. So organizing a sock drawer makes total sense to me. You just throw everything on the ground and start over.
0: Yep. It feels good. But once a year, I actually do that, and I just throw out 90% of my socks and replace them. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not sock club socks. I'm not a Rockefeller, but, like, a new pack of Hanes can go a long way to make me feel better. Yep. Uh, Luke retells the story of his first interaction with his biological father, really his only interaction with his biological father. So... The whole arc of this day is that he's getting ready to go to Philadelphia to meet, not his biological father who died some years ago, but but his family who he's been Facebook friends with and has interacted with, but has not actually met in person. And so he retells the story of his dad insisting on checking his junk to make sure everything's working okay after he was born mm-hmm. and then asking if he was named Adam as, as his want was, his father's want was. Uh, and then we get into a real deep dive on his feelings wrapped up in meeting his bio dad's family and all of that. And at one point there's the note that there's a possibility they could be listening to him having this talk on TBTL right now because they're just getting to know his media presence.
2: Boy, that's pretty amazing. I don't know if I could do that, have that sort of honest discussion about my anxieties. If I knew that the person I'm anxious about might be listening. Mm Mm-mm.
0: Well, I think, Me neither. I, I think that's the way he copes, though. I mean, he's been doing this uh-huh. for so long. And um, also, the guys are just so bad about keeping their personal life off the air anyway. It's sort of of two things, because the rest of the week, they don't really get into it a lot. Um, not, not in an emotional way, like they talk about here, but like uh, the amount of uh, avoidance of things that are happening that he would have to do to, to write it out of the show would be pretty big. Yeah. Um so sometimes it's easier just to do it. And I thought it was funny we were talking about which days to pick in Slack where we plan all of this free promo for Slack. And and I think it might have been you who said, you probably have a lot to say, Bobby, about your biological dad situation.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yes, the honest as do is, I.
0: Yeah, and, and I but I do but I don't because like I've never met my biological dad or his family and I know where they are, and I know who he is, and I could find him because if I can get somebody United airline miles, magazine subscriptions, believe me, I can find my biological father.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you are the sleuth of the group. I have faith that you yeah. could do that.
0: Um, but we, I have no rapport. We've not talked, so there's no thing there. And it's you know, I've written a couple of letters through the years. So they've gone un- you know unanswered. Um, but I haven't pursued you know a personal encounter. And so I, I have feelings about it, but I, I don't. I'm kind of at a loss because I just don't have – I don't have that kind of base for it. Like, it's Facebook. I know I have a half-sister. Like, I guess I could go friend her. And then what do I say to her? Like, hey, by the way, your, mom's, your dad slept with my mom 30 years ago <laughs> right. when he was still technically married. Uh, so, you know, I just haven't uh, pursued that because I don't need to go be a bombshell in somebody else's life unnecessarily.
1: Well, now you can't cause she'll hear this. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah. Cause she's going to get half an hour into a podcast about a podcast. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, I will say that making contact is not always what it's cracked up to be because I was contacted by my biological father when I was 20. You know, he split, uh, well, my mom split when she found out she was pregnant with me, but then he checked out of any kind of relationship with me, um, And then he wrote me a letter when I was 20, which came to me at school. And it was addressed so strangely that it was amazing that it ever made it to me. And you could tell that he had not like asked anybody for help. He could have asked my grandmother or my aunt or anything. They would have given him my address, but like he just had to do it all himself. But anyway, so he asked to meet me and I said, all right, not because I wanted anything from him, but because I was curious, so... So we meet in a restaurant, and the first thing he says to me is, so what should I call you? And I got confused, and I guess what? I should mention for, for listeners that my government name is actually Elizabeth Ann. I've always gone by Ann. My mother named me Elizabeth Ann and called me Annie from the day she took me home from the hospital. Everybody knows that's my name. Everybody knows that's how I do it. The fact that he asked the question shows me that he knows If he'd ever talked to his mother about me or his sister, he would know. I'd go by Anne. But whatever. I'm 20. I'm a little anxious. Uh, This whole thing is sort of freaking me out a little bit. And so I'm trying to be polite. And I said, well, you know, all my friends and family call me Anne, but I guess you can call me whatever you like. And he said, quote, well, then I'll call you Elizabeth, even though it's such an ugly name. Oh. Yes. But it gets better. Charmer. Because then he went on to explain to me that if he had been allowed to be there when I was born, and I asked my mother, and she says, well, I called him when I went into labor, so he could have been there if he wanted to. But you know, people have different truth. He said, if he had been allowed to be there when I was born, he would have named me Jennifer Jean, Jean for my mother, and Jennifer, because at the time he was coaching high school girls volleyball, and there was a very special girl on his team that he wanted to (sighs) name me after god (laughs) and i thought wait am i the only one that thinks this is really creepy
0: (laughs) nope you're not nope that sounds pretty universal
2: yeah that's terrible so that was my introduction to my biological father boy i'm glad he wasn't there (laughs) yeah me too uh i would have been quite screwed up i think if i'd grown up with him in my life
0: do we call you jj now i'm confused
2: (laughs) Bobby, you can.
0: Let's not make that. Call a thing me if
2: you want to. <laughs> no, no, no. I was thinking that if that name had been forced upon me, that's probably the way I would have gone. Yeah. <laughs> My dad almost
1: named me Mercedes, but not for any like nefarious reasons. Just because he has bad taste. Right. Bow chicka bow bow. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I dated a girl named well, we called her JoJo once. I mean, if you have the double J, there are ways you can go with that. Mm-hmm. But anyway. Wow. Yeah, I want a medical history. That's like the one thing I I mean, it's Mm. it's funny because uh, we're not having kids and my family basically has every box checked on the things wrong with you from your family list. Oh, boy. It would be hard to find something new to add to it. (laughs) (laughs) But like, you know, when I was a younger man, it would have been nice to have that just to know. Um now I guess it matters less. I know he's old and bald and fat, so I got that to look forward to. But that runs in the family already, too. Um,
1: Baldness comes from your mom's side,
0: anyway. Yeah. Oh, it's everywhere. It, it's amazing that I still have as much hair as I do. And, in fact, my hair is really thick. And, and I just assume I'm getting it all out of my system early. So it's coming in double now. So I won't have any later. Because <laughs> it works that way, right? You're allotted a certain amount for life. and Yeah, yeah basically. Just I just think so. Yeah. I want to just – because you were 20, and that's a terrible age for that. Because – I've been having a lot of very deep and serious conversations with my mother recently. As noted on Friday's show, we're going through a lot of family crap right now with the passing of my grandmother and um we are a very small unit. It's just me and my mother and my grandmother or my grandmother and my and my mom's mom, brother and sister. So I stumbled because I said very small unit and then I started laughing in my head. <laughs> <laughs> Your words, Bob. I know, and I regretted it immediately. Um <laughs> But you know, she had me when she was uh, just shy of 22 and and I think about her at that age dealing with living with her mother and I'm around and she still says to this day she could have been a, a great mom and she could have been an even better mom, but everyone kept insisting on telling her what to do and how to do it because she was young and single and they didn't think she was capable. Um, that's her narrative. But I do think back to the fact that like when I was 22, I can't imagine having raised a child, let alone 17 like Luke did. Mm -hmm. But like uh, the amount of emotional crap that I wasn't ready to handle in my early 20s that now I still am not ready to handle in my 30s. I think back to then and think about how much I've emotionally matured over the last 10 years and how much better that encounter could have been if he had reached out to you when you were 30 instead of 20. I don't know. I'm just so much Mm -hmm. more mature now. And I'm sure in 10 years, I'll think that I'm so much more mature than I am now. (laughs) I'm still giggling at that small unit.
1: (laughs) I hope that never stops being funny for you, Bobby. Thank you.
0: Uh, Where did we leave off? Family Real Talk followed by the top story, which is the uh, opposite of Real Talk, which is a Chinese toy that shoots toothpicks like a crossbow. (laughs) Shockingly being banned from school.
1: (laughs) Metal toothpicks is what they were talking about. Those are called needles. Yeah, those are needles.
2: (laughs) And the only... The only note I wrote down on this was, boys, dot, 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 dot. Yeah. Oh, I want one.
0: There's no doubt about that. Of course you do. The first thing I thought was, that sounds amazing.
1: Well, I mean, I had an older brother. These always existed. They're called rubber bands and a toothpick. I mean, you make it work Mm -hmm. if you really want to shoot your little sister.
0: That's right. Uh, Luke wants a Nerf gun to bug Carrie, and Andrew wants a Nerf camera to watch. (laughs) I liked that. (laughs) Uh, And Luke retells the story of the time he put a needle through a puffy sticker to put on the chair of a substitute teacher because classically the prank is to put a pin on the sub's seat. But then he chickened out, but then he put it on another girl's chair, but then she sat on it. So it still all went to crap.
2: Right. At least he feels bad about it now. But I really wish he hadn't done it at the time. Mm
0: -hmm. At least he feels bad about it now is the story. That should be the subtitle of Luke's memoir. <laughs> uh they are interrupted by the sounds of helicopters because of what we find out is the story of the kid who was hiding in the Hagen grocery store in Bellingham and the you know, SWAT team, full police unit being dispatched for this missing kid, which we find out later is apparently because of a YouTube video. We'll let that happen when it happens. But the real uh, other essence of Tuesday is that we get snacks the bunny in studio with Andrew, uh, and she, it, she, we know it's she, we know it's well, promptly. Let's yeah, go with she. Yeah. Right. Uh, it is not meant to be a mystery, by the way. Uh, she has posted two pages about it. She posted In the Sense page about it after her uh, bit aired on the Gong Show. I think just because it wasn't directly addressed, people thought it might be a mystery, and boy, did the speculation fly. Is it Genevieve? Is it Carrie? Is it any of the funny women in the sphere of orbit of TVTL? Um, it is, but not any of those. It was prom queen. Uh, they have fun. They ask her some questions, uh, and I, I actually enjoyed this this bit. I got it's not really even a bit. I I enjoyed her presence on the show, and I know this was sort of a mixed reaction thing, ladies. What did you think?
1: I liked it. I thought it was funny. I thought it was cute. Uh she had some good interactions with the guys it wasn't It wasn't annoying to me at all I don't know
2: i I could take it or leave it. I mean they were sort of cute together. It wasn't very funny, but then she wasn't doing her right. stand up material yeah. so
1: it wasn't i you know there were comparisons to Neil Hamburger, who I universally can't stand uh but I didn't think that it was in the same universe at all.
0: Right, and that was my reaction, because I, I heard people making those comparisons before I heard the episode, and I knew in advance that that Snacks was Celine, was prom queen, because I'd seen her uh, How to Make Cranberry Sauce video from a couple of right. years ago, which I think is ridiculous and funny. Um, I, I like the general surreal nature of this stand-up bunny, Like and the fact that... She's telling jokes that are bunny oriented, but also just, it's like 98% a normal 36-year-old woman's personality. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, with some bunny puns mixed <laughs> right, in. Right,
0: exactly. And so, like, I i thought that was really, I think it hits a, a note that works really well. And it's goofy and a little ridiculous and not to take it too seriously. Uh, and, yeah, it's nothing like Neil Hamburger because he is simply an asshole. Yeah. And, and it's so cringy that it's not funny. Mm -hmm. Um, This was such a different direction. I liked it. Um, This is where the bunny depression, a sense of hoplessness, the title comes from. (laughs) (laughs) Together, the three of them talk about what their walk-up music would be. I think this was a listener question. Um, And Snacks picks Return of the Mac. And I like that Snacks picks a song that has nothing to do with bunnies or, you know, it's nothing thematically appropriate. It's just a jam. Like I think a 36-year-old woman who grew up in the 90s would say the same answer. Uh, well, how many bunny-related walk-up appropriate songs are there? Well, that's an excellent point. But, I mean, if you dug for a pond, I think you could find one. Probably. Uh, and we find that at the end of the show. But uh, Andrew uses this as an opportunity to mention that he regrets scoffing at the pop music of his youth. He loves it now, but he, he didn't realize it existed then because he was too busy being a miserable teenager. Um, and Luke picks Hit Me With Your Best Shop or Hip Hop Hooray, which would be a great pun for a bunny walk-up song because it has hop in it. Andrew jokingly picks fireball. And then we get a tangent about how Luke played fireball twice at that four mile bar in East (laughs) Las Vegas. And Luke and Andrew just texted him. Nope. Not to do it again. (laughs) (laughs) Andrew ends up picking, uh, ODB's got your money, which, um, he fades out just in time when it goes from bad to worse on language. Yeah. Um, Snacks notes on a question that she has no loyal furry followers uh, yet, but it is logical. I think Andrew's on that. And then uh, they picked Magnetic Fields' Let's Pretend We're Bunny Rabbits as the outro song, even though Snacks mentions earlier that the uh, promiscuity of bunnies is a stereotype, just like their love of carrots. hmm And that's it. That's Snacks. Then let's move
2: on to Wednesday, number 2412, knee-deep in the stop-down, the guys start the show by agreeing that they shouldn't bad-mouth the show so much, and they also shouldn't spend time worrying about their technical mistakes so much, to which I was like, uh, yes, and we will eventually get to a long discussion about technical mistakes and show stop-downs, so I'm glad that plan worked out. Luke has been reading this novel, The Before the Fall by Noah Hawley, the guy who writes Fargo. Um, And he got annoyed because of two things uh, that there was some small part where he misused baseball terms and then misused gambling terms. And if there are two things that Luke knows about, it's baseball and gambling. And they're pretty minor mistakes, but it really got under his skin and took him out of the reading of the book. And now he's questioning the rest of the book. Like if he made these egregious mistakes on these two things that I know about, what kind of mistakes is he making about things that I don't know about? And he wants Andrew to help him. And they actually don't ever get to a strategy for that. But they do talk about, I don't know, I guess their approaches to reading stuff, my tip is don't read pretentious authors who talk about things that they don't know about, and then you'll be fine. Yeah.
1: Speaking of of people talking about things they don't know about, have you guys ever heard of TBTL? (laughs) 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 I don't know. It strikes a chord somehow. He doesn't make this connection that he's annoyed by this author doing the thing that they do
2: constantly. (laughs) Hence, throwyourphone.com. Yep. Right. Uh, So, now I don't understand. Andrew made some joke about stopping down the show, and then they actually get into this long discussion of when they do occasionally have to stop down the show for some problem or whatever, and then how terrible it is when they forget to take that stop down out, which has happened just once or twice, or one time Andrew forgot to cut the pre-show discussion and about the panic that they both feel about putting something out that wasn't meant for public consumption, even though in practice it's probably um, not too much different from what they actually uh, publish. It's just that they had been speaking with the expectation of privacy uh, with that, and uh, they don't really want that getting out in the public. Um, They then get into a comparison of... The show of these days to the Port Townsend slash KCRW days and how it was just a struggle to even get something out at that time and how miserable Andrew was, uh, uh versus now where they work for APM and, and it's their job. And, uh, this I thought was really one of the more interesting discussions of the week when they were really getting real about this and, uh, Andrew talks about uh, how he always felt really bad about taking up space at KCRW, about lurking outside and going in and taking up studio time because he reveals that the brass or whoever at KCRW uh, wanted him to quit doing TBTL when he got hired there, that they called him on the last night of his radio show and said, oh, by the way, we're going to need you to stop doing TBTL. And he said, absolutely not. And he thinks that was a really bad way to start that job.
0: I, th- I think he was, he was right. It was an absolutely yeah. terrible way to start that job. And I think we always knew how much of a rain cloud was over him through pretty much his entire time there. But I didn't know it was quite so severe.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that casts a different tone on it. I mean, I thought he was just extremely stressed from the long hours and the, the high-pressure job and the commuting plus TBTL. And it was clear that TBTL was like, okay, let's just get this over with (laughs) for a while there. Um, And I'm glad he's back in Seattle for the sake of, you know, his mental health and for the sake of the show.
2: Yeah, he says something about how sometimes he looks back on those KCRW time shows and he thought that they are actually better or he thinks that they were more interesting at that time. And I don't know, I just remember being really actually worried about him because it was clear how utterly miserable he was. I didn't get a lot of enjoyment out of those shows because... No,
1: they made me anxious. Yeah,
2: it was really a lot of feelings dumped by Andrew and about, you know, how horrible the traffic was and how mm-hmm. long the hours that he worked were. And I don't begrudge him sharing any of that. But boy, it was, I mean, I care about both of them. And it seemed like his mental and emotional health was getting a real workout for those months and years. So I'm much happier for them now. Um, uh, Let's see. So we're glad that that era is over. They move on to the top story of the IKEA Bowl that set somebody's grapes on fire. (laughs) (laughs) I want to start off with a great throw your phone moment from Bree, (laughs) who says, during the IKEA Bowl discussion on Wednesday's show, Luke says, quote, they conduct heat either well or poorly, depending on your (laughs) definition. (laughs) Science works She says, (laughs) as someone who teaches heat transfer to engineering students I feel pretty confident in saying there's only one definition for conduction And metal does, in fact, conduct heat well But what do I know? I just have a PhD, which we all know are super (laughs) easy to get (laughs) That was such
1: a good, such a snarky little comment I loved it
2: Mm -hmm. And uh, as it happens, Luke and Carrie do own this particular IKEA bowl It's like five bucks or something um, and uh, Luke did an NPR story on this sort of similar phenomenon with Disney Hall in LA uh, in that the curvature of the shiny, shiny Frank Gehry style paneling uh, actually heated the air around the building in some spots to 140 degrees Fahrenheit and ended up melting things inside of adjacent condos. Oh, which is insane. (laughs) That's happening in Dallas.
1: Holy cow. There was a new building. I think it's the other way around, which is even worse, because I think it was, uh, maybe I'm getting these details wrong, but there was a a new condo high-rise put up, and its reflection was such that it was melting things inside of a new sculpture garden.
0: Oh, no.
3: (laughs) No.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) I had heard that Frank Gehry was notoriously... Hard to um, work with, talk to, interact with, interview. I, I don't know if that's really, truly true or not, but because I was curious, I think I googled just Frank Geary asshole to see what would come up. <laughs> and what I found was Ew. was not. Oh, God, it was not an image search. Uh, what, what I found was <laughs> this blog post from a website called youjustmademylist.com, and I was so. I thought it was so ridiculous. I put it in the show notes. It's um, uh, it's a blog post from 2008, August 26, 2008, and it's titled "Frank Gehry and His Piece of Shit Ugly Ass Buildings."
3: Whoa! Hmm.
0: <laughs> and there's a picture of <coughs> buildings he designed at MIT, which I used to work right near. So I used to walk past this complex all the time. Um, and I won't read the whole thing. I will put the link in the notes, but it's just some asshole who really hates Frank Gehry. <laughs> and he writes, I haven't even finished typing this sentence, and already my blood is boiling from having to look at this ass clown's shitty building. <laughs> <laughs> and it just goes out there. Uh, maybe he's a drunk frat boy who wakes up after a weekend of beer bonging and realizes, quote, shit, dude, I totally have a building design too today. <laughs>
1: That is a terrible looking set of buildings. Yep. It mm-hmm. looks like they're all crumbling and falling Well, away. I mean, obviously
0: that, that was intentional. But <laughs> I mean, I know yeah. that's the point, but it doesn't look good. My favorite part here is he says, the best part about this building, MIT had to sue Frank Geary because the Tangled best leaks and generally sucks ass. It literally <laughs> says, quote, sucks ass in the lawsuit, which I don't believe is true. <laughs> no,
2: probably not. I I've wait. heard that before about his buildings, that <clears throat> they are architecturally interesting, but structurally perhaps not optimal. Yes. And we do have a Gary building on the University of Minnesota campus, and I know that they're always working in there. It's an art museum, so they have very particular needs for humidity control and so forth, and mm-hmm. we're always having problems with it.
0: Yeah. Uh, this post ends, Before a gallery called Gallery of Frank Gary's Crimes Against Humanity, the last line of the post is just fuck Frank Geary. I'm right and I know everything. So <laughs> I, I probably just told you all of the dazzling details of this post, but it's still worth going to look for the sake of the pictures.
2: Well, I am hovering the mouse over the gallery pictures, and the pictures are titled Frank Geary Sucks 01, Frank Geary Sucks 02, and so
0: forth. <laughs> Oh and the comments because the the person who posted this, whenever anybody defends Frank Gary, just, just fights back. And so there's
1: <laughs> I really like Frank Gary Sucks Beach. <laughs> That's the last picture. <laughs> Frank underscore Gary underscore sucks
0: underscore beach. We might have a show title. Uh... <laughs> Anyway, sorry for the tangent, but it just killed me when I found that.
2: Yeah. Uh, and I guess he proved his reputation with Luke as well. Although Luke got him on tape. That's a pretty, pretty good thing, I think. And Luke says that Frank Gehry's reputation is that he, quote, doesn't suffer fools. And then they have to talk about what doesn't suffer fools means. And uh, I, what the full thing is doesn't suffer fools gently, I think. And it's just a, a person who uh, doesn't have a lot of patience for people that they think are dumb, is all. So I, I don't... Andrew thinks that there is a superiority um, thing, and of course there is, but it's not like a status thing.
1: Well, it's a subjective... Yeah. Right. You know, thing. You yep. can't... And they were trying to make it
2: objective, it's not. mm uh, Then we move on to the story about your play. Uh, <laughs> because uh, a uh, Division of General Mills, is in a lot of trouble because everybody is eating Greek yogurt now and not regular yogurt. So they t- tried to get into the market and it didn't work for them for whatever reason. And apparently the research indicates that people don't care about having a cool name. People just want a backstory, some plucky entrepreneur, or age-old tradition, or uh, or whatever. So eventually they just decided to call it, boringly, You'll Play Greek, and then um, that did not work at all. So now they're moving on to this French concept in glass bottles that they're going to call We, and uh, Luke and Andrew too mentioned that there was a porno magazine called We. <laughs> Seems like they they could have checked that one out <laughs> before they went with it, but uh, whatever. So then we did get a comment from Megan on this, uh, who says, Not really a phone-throwing moment, but I thought I heard that Greek yogurt manufacturers have a toxic waste disposal problem. Something in the process is too toxic to put pour down the drain. Maybe one of the lady scientists will feel moved to investigate Uh, This lady scientist uh, did not necessarily investigate, but she did read a couple of articles, and it's true that there is a byproduct because of all of the, the, one of the reasons that Greek yogurt is so creamy is because they do extract and press out all that uh, liquid, and the acidity of the whey is such that it's equivalent to acid rain, which is real interesting to me anyway. And so it can't be poured down the drain and a certain amount of it can be used as fertilizer, but uh, only a certain amount, because if you have too much, then you'll have runoff into the waterways. And so like many other things that uh, have potential financial gains from it, there are a lot of food scientists who are working on developing ways to uh, monetize this acid way, including running it through a digester and turning it into methane to produce electricity. So uh, it's not great that this is a byproduct right now, but there are people who are working on a number of interesting solutions for it. I thought that was really interesting.
0: Well, like they say, you know, someday an acid whey will come and wash the <laughs> scum off the streets.
2: <laughs> is that what they say, Bobby? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh,
0: Andrew's been getting it wrong for years because he thinks it's hard rain, but it's actually acid whey. Yes. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
2: Uh, I personally like Siggy's. Have you guys ever tried that? It's a skier. Oh yeah, that's skier. I like that. Yes, that's good. It's uh, just
0: less sweet. Maybe as far as I know, the toxic waste that comes out of Greek yogurt plants is just put in little bowls with foil on it and <laughs> sent out into the world.
1: I was really enchanted by Greek yogurt when it first uh, made uh, made the scene in Grand Rapids. I was working second shift. As a medical transcriptionist, and I was pretty close to a Meijer, which is a um, Michigan, Ohio, Indiana. Yeah, I think, there's a sneaky
0: sneaky J in there. Yes,
1: yeah. M um, E I J E R. It's classic Grand Rapids, twenty uh, four hour, kind of like a Super Target um, grocery and all sorts of other sundry goods. And so I would go there before my shift to get stuff uh, to snack on during during work. And I walked by this end cap display of Faye that that kind of greek yogurt that has little tubs of of stuff so like one compartment is yogurt and the other compartment and the first one that i got was honey and i just thought that was amazing and it was also full fat yogurt which was something that mm-hmm. i hadn't allowed myself to eat for a long time and that's probably why it was so good but i thought it was just amazing and i kind of overdosed on it and now i don't really want to eat greek yogurt anymore but I, I i it's a useful thing for making sauces and things like i made a tzatziki sauce the other day with greek yogurt and it was good
0: I don't think it's totally useless. That is the one way I like Greek yogurt, and I've always liked it that way. Uh, Long before it was a fad, I liked Greek food. So I'll take that. Mm
2: -hmm. Well, I like Greek yogurt a lot, um, but I don't like the sugar in it. I do a lot of label reading, and there's a reason that Giovanni is really delicious, Cause it's got a lot of sugar in there, and Faye has a little bit less, but not a a whole lot. I actually always get
1: the plain kind. Yeah, you can kind of control how much of the sweet you put in there yourself, which I like because I don't like a really sweet. And that's one of the reasons I don't like YoPlay at all, is because it is. They described it as runny and sugary, and that's exactly what it is. (laughs) Mm -hmm. No wonder people don't want to eat it.
0: Just get your own, get it unsweetened, and put as much or as little uh, bee dookie as you want on there. (laughs) Exactly.
2: Mm. put it in your honey tummy
0: it's uh, amazing
2: I... they should use that marketing on the packaging probably <laughs> <laughs> be dookie flavored
0: yeah of course <laughs> it's all natural that's for sure
2: that
1: means
0: it's good for you <laughs> yeah, exactly it's uh <laughs> organic maybe maybe not uh all right when i was a train commuter into boston i i realized that there were people who had been riding the same commuter rail for years and you would have to muscle one of them out if you wanted a seat at a coveted table spot in the middle of each commuter car where the all the seats face the middle. And in the very middle, there's a table between the two seats that face. And uh, I would rush in and grab a table spot. And I found out pretty quickly that I had been displacing someone from a group of women of a certain age who were all commuting together and all bringing and eating their Chobani yogurts. <laughs> And giving
1: Yeah, it's a female bonding ritual, I think. Yes,
0: yes, exactly. And giving me the stink eye when I would take a corner seat and have my laptop and you know try to do work at this table instead of sit and talking bullshit and eating Chobani brand yogurt. And so I started calling them the Chobani gang, and I would come home <laughs> to Sam and bitch about the Chobani gang at least three days a week for a solid year. Uh, they hated me, and I did not care because I had shit to do. And I needed a Aww. table. so
2: Maybe you should have just brought some Chobani and joined in.
0: Uh, no.
2: <laughs> All right, you're lost.
0: Maybe I should have brought some kombucha and turned it into a party. Yes, absolutely. That is a transition.
2: <laughs> yes, they get to kombucha because uh, they say that most people don't actually like the taste of Greek yogurt, but people eat ate it until they developed a taste for it because it was a fad because and because they like the story of it and luke comments that kombucha is exactly the same way that nobody likes the taste you just drink it until you develop a taste and then he brings up this story of a, a vikings player michael floyd who uh got busted for um drinking kombucha because it had alcohol in it and and luke told the story i thought very poorly and very confusingly so i'll try to summarize a little bit better Uh, michael floyd got a dui last december and he got a hundred day sentence he served 24 days in jail and then the rest he had to serve under house arrest and a condition of that was that he drink no alcohol and he had to have regular breathalyzers to monitor that and what he said was that he drank a bunch of kombuchas, I think four or five containers of kombucha. And then when he blew the breathalyzer, it registered alcohol in his system. He was not drunk either by the uh, legal definition of 0.08 and he was not like sloppy party type drunk. He blew a, I think a, a 0.055 and then a .04. Six and then a point oh four five, So right around that, uh, like, I don't know, like a beer or two, I guess, for a big guy. So it was not that he was drunk on kombucha. It was just that he registered alcohol in his system, which was a violation of the house arrest. And uh, his excuse was that the Vikings had encouraged him to drink kombucha because of the, uh, whatever, prebiotic, probiotic health benefits. And they wrote a letter supporting that that's what what he did. So I'm not saying that the kombucha argument is an adequate defense, who knows, but I will point out that he only had five days left on the house arrest. So why would you jeopardize that? If you've gone 70 days without drinking alcohol, why would you then decide to get drunk or whatever, have a beer or two in the last five days?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, that much of any one thing is a bad idea. And that much kombucha, breathalyzer blowing aside, seems like an awful idea for your body. Ugh, gross. <laughs> uh, I believe I read that he had to end up going back to jail for one day. I don't know if he served that sentence or not. It seems like just long enough to check in, sign some autographs, and leave. Um, right. But, uh, ugh. I just, the, the consequences of that much kombucha sound worse than one day in jail to me.
1: There's a pretty fun Vice article that I looked up on a, a fellow who had attempted to get tipsy, at least a little tipsy on kombucha and just ended up getting violently ill. <laughs> Not from alcohol, just from consuming
2: from the a stomach full of bacteria. Uh, yeah. Mm. We're just coming Ugh. up with yogurt flavor after yogurt flavor here. Duh. Uh, all right, so. Uh, moving on to emails, there was one from Matt regarding the shaky plane from the other day, and he is a structural engineer, he says that probably what it was uh, was that one of the engine blades snapped off and created a condition called windmilling, and that despite the fact that a uh, snapped-off engine blade sounds pretty scary, that that is actually not a big deal, that airplanes are designed to handle much worse than that, and that Andrew and Luke should... Remember that structural engineers who work very hard on this also fly on planes, and they would never do it if it wasn't safe. Uh, I don't know if that's going to um, give Andrew any peace of mind on that, but I liked it. I thought that was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we get an email from Vanessa regarding Andrew's Tupperware obsession, and she collects Tupperware at Goodwill, so there's no need for Andrew to have a Tupperware party, especially since he's probably working on like a nostalgia angle on this. He doesn't want the new Tupperware anyway. He wants the 80s popsicle molds. And that gets them into talk about homemade popsicles. And of course, since the, the Walshes were riding on Easy Street, Andrew got to have Kool Aid popsicles or the lemonade, the powdered lemonade popsicles, while the Burbanks got orange juice or maybe for a special treat they got apple juice popsicles. I don't think it even really mattered when you were a kid what was in the homemade popsicles. It was just such a cool thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, whatever was in those glassy, smooth popsicle rods. <laughs> Close quote. You'd be happy to get yep. them.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: We don't. I I know we had a set of those, but they rarely made an appearance. I I remember being into eating um frozen concentrate, orange juice concentrate. Yep. Whoa! Straight out
0: of the can.
1: That's kind of hardcore with a spoon. Uh, we
0: used to it with <laughs> lemonade. And then I thought I was the first person to ever invent frozen lemonade when I realized you could put it in a blender with some ice and a little bit of water (laughs) and make a frozen blended lemonade.
1: Well, I thought I invented text
2: messaging, so, you know. We all have our accomplishments. Yeah. And the final thing in this episode that I'd like to highlight that completely baffled me is the outro song that they were somehow talking about Oingo Boingo, which led to talk about Danny Elfman, which led as all paths do to the 1989 Batman starring Michael Keaton. And Andrew decides he wants to play an outro song from the soundtrack. And he ends up picking this thing called the Joker's poem they decide that this is probably like a clip from the movie, and then they'll play that and whatever comes after it. And it was not a clip from the movie. It was just some soundtracky song part. But I was astonished that Luke allowed this. I really was. Especially since in my archiving travails, I was just listening to Luke and Jen having an argument in 2009 where he's teasing her about some music and she says what do you even want my opinion for anyway you have deleted every single uh, music that i have brought for the music bump at this point yeah he was so hardcore about music bumps when they were a radio show that he just sort of mercilessly uh, Throughout anything that she liked. So I don't know Jeez. if this is evolution or what, but the idea that he would just go with Andrew wanting to play this song is crazy to me.
1: I feel like I blacked out for a moment at the end of the show. And when I woke back up, they were playing this absurd song and I was just like, well, I'm not
0: going back to figure out what happened uh.
1: here. I'm turning it off.
0: <laughs> uh Again, like I was talking about earlier, the difference in emotional maturity between being in the early 20s and being in the early 30s. Uh, maybe he just realizes that he needs to let some things go a little bit.
2: Maybe. Yeah. He
0: picked the wrong thing, but maybe. <laughs> <laughs> They've been doing a bad job with this outro music lately. Uh, yeah.
1: mm-hmm. A lot of missteps. All right. Thursday, 2413. Unicorns, Waterfalls, and the Occasional Chip Witch, which I well we'll get to that Luke's in Philly uh and for some reason right off the bat we learned how to make our fingers look like Vienna sausages by putting them slightly together and then blurring our eyes a little bit
2: because so there's we're a floating seven. Vienna
1: sausage between our fingers <laughs> oh. and I'm doing it right now it's so funny Um, Andrew, uh, this brings them right to magic eye pictures and Andrew pretended to see them for his entire childhood and just thought everyone else was also pretending. (laughs) That's cute. (laughs) I could see them. Yeah, I could it was that hard. I,
0: I struggled to see them. I don't know why.
1: Um, Luke tells a story about when he took weed to Duck Island, um, and smoked a little tiny, tiny bit and didn't inhale it and then pretended to enjoy it. He called everything mass good, like seven (laughs) times in this episode. (laughs) Was that Maybe that's a Pacific Northwest thing. I've never heard Me that.
0: Either. Well, except they when talked he has about said it before. before. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he has. He has
1: yeah, but I've never heard anyone else on Earth say that. Uh, no. Uh, Phyllis way, says it.
0: Yeah, she does. But that's because she has it ingrained in her from listening to TBTL so much. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to mention that, you know, theoretically, it's the north end of the lake and the park where the picnic's going to be is the south end of the lake. But it's not that big of a lake. We could go... To this mm-hmm. island if we really wanted to.
1: And we could legally bring some weed. Yep. Let's do it.
0: <laughs> Somebody find us a raft.
2: <laughs> <laughs> can we rename it Weed Island then?
0: Probably. Probably, yeah. Unless that we can find some ducks to, to <laughs> what did he say, pass the touchy to the right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. God.
1: <laughs> um luke is i think maybe personally trying to make me hate thrive market even more uh (laughs) by in this episode during the ad he calls extra virgin olive oil EVOO. and uh, i would like to thank jeremy Auer for submitting that as a throw your phone moment he says quote luke reads evoo extra virgin olive oil like it rhymed with emu what what in the world is he on for as much hgtv as that man watches has he never watched the food network good point jeremy it's not EVO, it's Evoo, it's E V O O
0: It's Come on. I don't even like the abbreviation at all. I think it's just not you're not saving that much time. How much how often are you using extra virgin olive oil that you can't just say it? If you're Or just say olive oil, yeah, come on. Yeah. I mean if you're writing a cookbook or something, I guess that's different, but anyway. Yeah.
1: Um the highlight of today is obviously the call with Luke's mom, Susie Burbank. And she drops a bombshell on us right away by claiming that the standard cheese for a cheesesteak is mozzarella. Uh, I think pretty much every 10 uh, simultaneously through their phones. We got a lot of feedback on this. It was all over the Sten's page, and we all were wondering, what on earth is she talking about? Listener David submitted a, a very succinct through your phone by just saying, have
2: these people ever eaten a cheesesteak? All in capital letters. <laughs> I have never eaten cheesecake and I know that it's not mozzarella. You said cheesecake and nope. that that would be good, but
1: <laughs> mozzarella and cheesecake.
0: If you Google oh God, mozzarella and cheesecake. Um, <laughs> if you Google just the words cheese whiz and do an image search, make sure that you clear out Frank Geary asshole first, but if you Google cheese whiz and just do an image search, the fourth picture that came up for me. Was a picture of a cheesesteak at Pat's, which is one of the institutions of Philadelphia.
1: Yeah, isn't the debate whiz or no whiz? Uh, I thought that was the whole yeah. thing. Like, it's not the the cheese is not in question. It's whether you want it or not.
0: That was how I understood it. Oh God! And if you go to the second row of pictures, you see somebody spraying a can of Easy Cheese into a frying pan full of ground beef. <laughs>
3: oh, that's just no. unfortunate.
0: But yeah, I mean. Cheese whiz. That's it, man. I might have to use this as the show picture just to make a point.
1: (laughs) Well, and she might be talking about provolone. It's a white melty cheese. You know, Mm -hmm. that's, I guess, an acceptable um, option for cheese on a cheesesteak. But I've never, ever heard of mozzarella, and apparently no one else ever has either. Uh, She talks about a, a sandwich that she created when she was a kid where you pull out the soft part of the bread and fill the crust up with potato chips and call it a chip witch. When she was a kid and five points in her uh, her street gang. Um, <laughs> I'm a little confused and this is, on this. this, is where
2: is, is this the, is, are the chips the filling? I mean, she talks about pulling out the bread and putting the chips in. So is there like ham or something else as no, part of the sandwich? No, I think it's just bread just and chips. The, okay. Yeah. Because then why would you have to pull some of the bread out? To make room for the chips. But it's two pieces of bread. You can have as much room between them as well, you want. But pulling out some bread
0: <laughs> is a traditional thing anyway because you sort of give it give it that room for the sandwich to fill in. And ha- and I think it was like a roll yeah.
1: kind of thing, not like not like okay, sandwich bread. Okay, I think okay. it was like some sort of crusty roll where you're pulling out the soft part and, and filling right. in with the crust with chips. I know. I don't that like to sense.
0: see carbohydrates get wasted unnecessarily either. And, but, you know, it makes a little room. I need to stop the show, though. Uh, we need to go into a food stop-down because I was Googling – cheese whiz cheese cheesesteak to find a larger higher resolution picture to use for the show picture <laughs> and i found uh, a picture of a provolone versus cheese whiz great food showdown and so i clicked on that website and it's a guys and girls take on classic food debate provolone cheese or cheese whiz on your philly cheesesteak so yes that brings a lot of validity to Susie probably thinking provolone and saying mozzarella but uh especially true this must be a good uh Uh, good website for this because it's brocouncil.com oh wow right so yes that's my homepage. right so we know it's an authority Mm -hmm. brocouncil.com
2: all
0: right what do you have to
2: do to get on the bro council
0: (laughs) you don't want to know
2: (laughs) um side note about this chip
1: witch. this becomes the uh the show title and they spell it W-witch, Which W H I C H and if we're talking about a sandwich pun, shouldn't it be W
2: I C H? Absolutely. Yes. Thank you. Okay.
1: All right. Uh, we get a kind of a horrifying story uh, by uh, Susie, master of sneaking into places she shouldn't be, um, where she snuck her nephew or nephews into the Jewish community center's pool and told them to act Jewish, <laughs> quote unquote. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then they pulled their and, they pulled their Mets caps down over their eyes, and they started doing somebody's taxes, and it was fine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they they try to make this a little better by theorizing that the employees knew they were they were pretending, but were entertained by their antics, which uh, is probably wishful thinking. Uh yeah um she talks a lot about her teenage days uh growing up in philly and the jobs that she had her first sounds like was as a server in, in an italian restaurant owned by her boyfriend's family that housed a bunch of mafiosos and so whenever she would come by to fill up their coffees or whatever they would stop talking <laughs> and stare at her and make her feel awkward because she couldn't hear about all the crimes they were doing hmm, i presume wow uh and then hmm.
0: yeah Now just just yeah I, I live in providence every restaurant's like that still it's fine <laughs> You guys have heard, well, you've it, heard Crime Town by now. Uh-huh.
1: Sure, sure. I was thinking about this, and I, I think I've noticed that um, when I'm in a group at a restaurant, we often will stop talking when the server comes in. It's not because we're talking about murder. <laughs> it's just because, I don't know, maybe we're having a personal conversation, or maybe we want to say something to the server, but often the conversation lulls
2: until they walk away. Right. I think a lot of times I, I feel like I want to be polite to the server. Like, yeah. if we just keep talking like they're not there as they're... Refilling my water glass. I don't know. I just like to pause and then thank them and then continue my conversation. Right. But she's probably right. They were probably talking about murder. (laughs) Um, she talks about a job that her dad got her
1: at at a shoe store where she's trying to sell handbags in a terrible neighborhood in a dying uh uh shoe store that wasn't selling anything to anybody and she would go and cry on her lunch breaks. And then another one where she, I think this was at Arby's. I kind of lost the thread on this a little bit, but maybe she worked at Arby's and her her manager was the one who asked to put his hands around her waist. Is that what yeah, was going on
0: here? this is gross. Ugh. Yuck. Well, and it was uh, decades before he could have used a, we have the meats related line to hit on her. <laughs> oh,
1: Jesus. And that's the real, that's the oh, real crime right. here. <laughs> yeah. Well, this stuff still happens to women. We have a little bit more... <laughs> Uh, leeway to uh, to stop this but you know that stuff still happens all the time mm-hmm. it just used to be more commonplace and I think people didn't think too much of it uh,
0: my childhood was filled with no means no jokes that people made because that was the height of that level of sexual harassment training and yeah now in hindsight none of that is even remotely funny no uh, but uh, we've come a long way and there's a long way to go sigh yeah I
1: know. Yeah. Um, Luke asks his mom for advice on properly enjoying the New Jersey se- seashore, and she comes out as the head of the New Jersey tourist industry by uh, advising that they swim in a muddy river that smells like eggs and to not touch the ground during low tide or they'll sink in. <laughs> she said it's tolerable, quote-unquote, at high tide. So let's all plan that vacation. <laughs> That's a ringing endorsement. She also talks about how many times she's almost drowned there. Uh, and that she, that Luke should hold on to Carrie because she's a wisp of a wife. Or she'll get carried away in the undertow. Um, she's very excited for Luke to meet Adam. Uh, and she talks a lot about how uh, Adam's got the red hair that Luke almost had. <laughs> she does correctly guess what FOMO means, which I thought was delightful. Well, this is Good. the
0: queen of YOLO, YODO. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then they talk a little bit about Susie's aunt, who's 94, and once picked up a chair and pretended to throw it at Luke in a Jerry Springer-esque <laughs> joke. <laughs> so that was a really, a really enjoyable visit by Susie, as as per usual. Mm-hmm. As per usual. Yep. Yep. That was on purpose. Uh, we get an email from listener Kalina, who talks about the kid who was missing in the Hagen's grocery store, and she actually knows that family. And uh, Luke talks a little bit about when you're a kid and you do something so awful that the amount of trouble you're in circles around to where you're not even in trouble anymore because they're just glad that you're alive. Um, And theorizes that that kid who hid behind paper towels because of YouTube will be on a backpack leash. (laughs) Or I think Kalina said that. He'll be on a backpack leash until he's 18. Which is probably true. This was, is this some sort of like YouTube phenomenon that, that people know about? Because I'd never heard about this. I didn't. Somebody Um, trying to hide in a store behind paper towels overnight or something?
2: Yeah. Wasn't the one that they looked at was called the 24-hour target challenge or something?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm not. I I don't know anything about what the kids like, so I have no idea. (laughs) We should ask Ellie. I bet she
2: knows. It seems like a waste of time to me. But Luke, again, uses this uh, particular incident as an excuse uh, for all... All the shitty, shitty things that he did as a kid saying that he was influenced by television to do them. As he saw in whatever medium the kid putting the thumbtack on the chair and he thought, well, that's what you do to substitutes. Or So he's saying that this kid saw it on YouTube and thought, well, that's just what you do. But I think that we need to teach our kids a little bit more critical thinking if that's the case.
0: Well, kids just need to look at my YouTube history and follow that example because all they'll end up doing is replacing the leaky hot water valve washer <laughs> in their bathroom sink.
1: <laughs> if kids followed mine they just they'd be forever trying to even out their eyebrows and it would never oh. work. <laughs> Luke talks about um the discipline that he got when he was a child and uh, they would get a SWAT. He ta- He calls it corporal punishment, which I guess it is technically, um, but it doesn't sound horribly abusive. He would have to go wait in their room for his SWAT, which sounds like the worst, probably 15 minutes of a little kid's mm-hmm. life. And then you have to talk with your parents about the dumb thing that you did. You get a little SWAT over the pants and then you're you're free to go. Uh, it doesn't sound too bad. I got, I got spanked like, I don't know, maybe three times for doing like extremely dangerous things like running out into the street. Uh, I think I probably scared them so much that they felt compelled to let me know that was not cool in a violent way. <laughs> not, you know, they didn't hurt me, but the, they they wanted to make an impression that that wasn't cool. Direct
0: correlation between being that dumb and feeling pain. Feeling yeah. pain. Yeah.
2: yeah. hmm I think I got swatted a few times. I think mostly when I went across the line and being uh, what my mother referred to as lippy. Uh, cause I never did anything dangerous, but I guess when she felt that the level of back talk was too much, uh, she slapped me once when I was 13, I think, and wow. I'm sure I was behaving like a 13 year old and it didn't hurt. And I remember just having the moment of shock and thinking, Oh my God, she's serious about this. Mm-hmm. And that was all that ever happened. So no, the only time I have, I have a cl-
1: yeah. The cl- I have a clear memory of being swatted once by my dad. And this must have happened so rarely. Because- my dad's a pretty tall guy. He's like six foot five. And I was really little because once I was past like five, I realized um, that my life was a lot better if I just did everything they told me to do. I was a very obedient <laughs> kid at that point. But I must have been really tiny. So my dad put his knee up on a bench or something and swung me up to put me over his knee. And I was like, whee. <laughs> I was like, "I'm flying." <laughs> and then it was a really harsh come down when he smacked me. <laughs> That's the only time I really remember getting spanked, but I don't remember what it was for. So how effective was it, dad? Right.
0: Yeah, you're still eating candy right before bed and yep. <laughs> watching sitting too close to the TV.
1: Oh, all the time. Uh I
0: don't re- I I know I got spanked a few times. I don't remember it happening with particular frequency. I know that for the most part, my mom was not for that. Um, I do remember getting smacked across the face once. And it's because I called my mother a bitch and I, I didn't Ooh. know what it meant. Like I didn't, I mean, I sort of, I knew it was a bad thing to say, but I didn't understand the severity of that. And I was um, not old enough to process that thoroughly. I think I was probably five or six or seven or something, but like I said it and I said it in the middle of a very heated argument in the way a child can be heated, and uh and i learned that that's not something you say to a lady mm-hmm. uh and uh i am still skittish about that word now <laughs> <clears throat> i mean i'll use it Good. i'll use it in conversation about something but i would never call someone you know just bluntly cruelly and and with full meaning uh you know i didn't have nuance as a kid you don't so right yeah
1: yeah, Luke talks about the time he they were on a road trip and uh, he was uh, in trouble for something and didn't he wanted to avoid the SWAT so he ran out into the woods and hid, and so Walter was walking around uh, saying they'll just leave him, uh, and Luke was wondering if he could just live in the woods forever. <laughs> <laughs> There's no he, way they were going to leave him. Walter was just trying to get him to come back,
0: right? right. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, obviously they did have a lot of kids, so yeah, you have extras can afford to lose one or two
1: yeah sure and then uh this episode they go out with motown philly which i you know they say it was on the nose and i think we got some feedback about this too there's nothing wrong with something being exactly on the nose yeah listener amanda said uh whenever the guys say something is on the nose i always think when they say it who the f cares if it's a song or a joke or whatever comes to mind just go with it why does it have to be ironic or clever or obscure or whatever the heck the opposite of quote on the
2: nose quote is good point Oh, Amanda, you are speaking my language. That is one of my big frustrations with them.
0: Three nights a week, I pick, I build playlists to DJ trivia questions. So it's a two-hour thing, and I have 20 questions I need to ask. And I like picking songs that relate to the questions. And sometimes they're hint, which is intentional, but oftentimes it's just a song that, is like, oh, ha ha ha, you know, because that fits. My life is songs that are on the nose of those <laughs> questions. And I.
1: Well, and as a trivia participant, I think that's delightful. And I also love it when they're
0: hints. Right. And so, you know, embrace it, enjoy it. It's okay. Sometimes, you know, I I'll try to avoid doing it if it's like really schlocky or really blunt. But like, it's kind of funny when. And the people who notice enjoy it, and the people who don't, it does them no harm. So yeah. everybody wins. I mean, Jeez. I can
1: see being annoyed at Taxman being played everywhere <laughs> you go on April 15. We can we can do away with that. Right. But there's nothing wrong with playing Motown Philly
2: because it's a great song and because he's in Philly. Yep. Right. It's fine. Yep. Just because it's the obvious choice does not necessarily make it a bad choice. But let's continue this thread. In Friday, number 2414, people in bro houses shouldn't throw hot wings. And uh, Luke, of course, is still in Philly and they continue yesterday's conversation by asking if in philly they are allowed to play only philly related music <laughs> because that's <laughs> what luke has been hearing everywhere he goes including the entire fresh prince bel-air theme song that does seem a little I think excessive I, yeah yeah but that's a crowd pleaser every everywhere i mean you just can't be unhappy when you hear that song well, that's true but i don't know if i've ever heard it playing over a sound system yeah that's Div- a little divorced from the show uh and they make a comparison that in seattle you wouldn't play nirvana everywhere you go because it's just played out i don't know maybe maybe I not you know <laughs> I mean, what what do we play in seattle then if we don't play grunge um and then andrew gets into this thing about Will Smith and Summertime and how there was a Cool in the Gang sample from Summer Madness and how many other songs it's been used as a sample in and there's some website and he encourages everyone to listen for that particular sample when they're out and about, I guess. So I was confused as to why he was so into that. I think he's just proud he recognized a sample from Cool in the Gang. (laughs) (laughs) Could be... (laughs) Uh, Then a lot of this particular episode is taken up with another round of Sky Jinx. Luke has uh, another story that he tells, again, I thought somewhat confusingly, uh, which has two parts. And the first part is about how he was, again, upgraded to first and Carrie was still in coach. And the struggles that he has um, dumping his first class ticket and going to sit next to her and how there was a flight attendant who got upset because he happened to mention to her that he was just going to swap seats with whoever was next to Carrie, if obviously they agreed to it. And she said, no, you can't do that because there's a lot of people who have been waiting for the upgrade to first class, and you can't just give it to this random dude back in 11D or wherever he is, which makes sense. I mean, it's a lot Mm -hmm. harder for Luke to go through the normal channels of that thing, and plus how many people are just like, hmm no, I don't think I need to sit in first class. I'll just go back here (laughs) in steerage with my wife. I still think that he should just let Carrie sit up there and he should sit in coach. Yeah. But that's not going to happen. All right. So then uh, this leads to the fact that they had him sit up in his first class seat where they were trying to resolve it. And he witnessed part two of this story, uh, which was – uh, let me see if I can clarify this a little bit. So in first class, you have seats like 1A, 1C, 1D, and 1F. And there was this SpongeBob lady who was sitting in, I think, maybe 1F. And there was another guy who was sitting in across the aisle in 1C. And this young, engaged couple got on and... I bet they splurged to upgrade to first class and they wanted to sit together. So they asked this guy in one seat if he would just move across the aisle so that they could have the two seats together. And he, knowing this lady's uh, SpongeBob lady's craziness, was like, "Mm, I'd rather not. So they asked if he could just move the other way into the window seat and then the bride and groom could sit opposite one another across the aisle. And at that point, the SpongeBob lady went bananas on them and just about uh, bananas on, on most everyone. And um, Luke of course has to kind of make this about him. So he asks Andrew if at any point he should have gotten involved because right about now is when they resolved his seat section and he went back to coach and he didn't see exactly how it all resolved, but he thinks that maybe he should have stood up and told the SpongeBob lady where to stick it. And Andrew said, oh, hell no, you don't get involved. What gives you the right anonymous bystander to get involved in something that has absolutely nothing to do with you? Uh, I would not get involved. Let me tell you that.
0: Uh, when you're on an airplane, the employees rule the day. And the last thing you should do is try to assert any authority that's not yours. That's a great way to get thrown off an airplane. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
1: When well, we asked will the pilot about this to 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 weigh in on this in one of our chats and the the bottom line he said a lot of stuff but he also said never yell at a flight attendant you will not be traveling Mm
3: -hmm.
0: yeah yep um my biggest question from all of this has nothing to do with whether or not luke should intervene because that was an easy answer which is no uh my question is i want to know more about this spongebob t-shirt maybe i just have to ask luke (laughs) This woman's like, what, in her 50s or 60s? She's clearly uh-huh. sitting frazzled. in first class. Yeah, so questions there. Maybe she's a frequent flyer. Maybe she's having a rough day. Who knows? Uh, maybe she's a rich, eccentric woman, which... Ha-
1: yeah, maybe she's so rich she just doesn't care anymore about her hair or her clothing.
0: Right. she's helicopter rich, but has chosen to fly first class instead of getting her own plane. Um, but there are two kinds of SpongeBob shirts in this world. There are the kind that are a shirt with a picture of SpongeBob on it, like doing something or saying something or interacting with someone. And then there are the shirts where the whole shirt is the color of Spongebob. And then there's the face on it, effectively turning you into Spongebob. Mm, It's Mm -hmm. sort of like when you see those shirts in the summer of the, the, the skinny lady in the bikini, and it's a long, you know, beach shirt. And right, it looks like you right. Are. Yeah, Or a tux, a tux- tuxedo t-shirt. shirt. Yeah, yeah. It's it's sort of a costume of a shirt. So I really want to know: is she wearing a shirt that just has SpongeBob on it, or is she wearing a shirt that has turned her into SpongeBob? <laughs> because I think that the, the the former is a sign of some issues going on, and the latter is a real salmon-colored flag. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I, I I guess that nobody would be surprised if she had a few issues. It just seemed like they were on the, on the severe end. Um, Andrew, uh, of course, doesn't want to talk about this issue so much as he wants to go back and talk about the issue of switching seats with people. Uh, and should we hate people who ask us to switch seats with them, specifically on the airplane when somebody says we would like to sit together. Would you mind switching? And Luke says he doesn't like it when people who don't handle their business ask him for accommodations. And I thought, dear God, pot, (coughs) meat, kettle. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. He constantly asks people to make accommodations for him because he doesn't handle his business. It's just not his airline business. He's, He's dialed in on that But I will say uh, how this uh, hits me in a soft spot is when I go to the movies because I'm a person who gets to the movies early. I never want to rush in last second because then you end up in the second row on the left and you get a crick in your neck from like staring up at the screen. So I like to go 20 minutes early and go in and get the seat that I want and get all established. And I have had a number of times when a bunch of people come in at the last minute and go, oh, would you mind moving down a little bit so that we can all sit together? There was a group of eight people once who all wanted to sit in the same row, which I submit is dumb because there were open seats in front of them. They could have sat four and four, and then they would be more together than if they all sit in a long row. But I wanted to say, no, I don't want to move for you. I came here. I handled my business and got what I want, and I don't see why I should have to accommodate you now. But of course, I said, oh, no problem, and moved down. And then I was mad for the first half hour of the movie.
1: You know, this is why, again, Alamo Drafthouse saves all of these problems because you buy your tickets ahead of time and you have assigned seats Hmm. and your bill is attached to your seat so you can't move.
2: Sounds like a magical place.
1: It is.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We should get them as a sponsor. (laughs) I was down there for a whole week and I didn't go to Alamo Drafthouse. It's, I think, my biggest regret from my trip last summer.
2: Well, we'll just have to go next time. Yep. Yep. It's not going anywhere. (laughs) Uh, So I guess what they arrive at in this discussion is that the person who has a seat should never be obligated to give it up. Um, But I don't know. But it's a nice person thing to do. I guess it is a nice person thing to do. And I I think it's also very situational as well.
0: And speaking of nice people, I, I noted this while I was listening to it. Phyllis told us recently, very recently, that she gave up her seat. I don't remember if she was a window or an aisle. I think a window because she got on the plane and there was a... A large kid, I think, were her words, and I think she was being very polite, but I think like a a kid who was going to not be able to fit in the middle seat comfortably. Someone's large adult
1: son, maybe? Yes, (laughs) yeah.
0: It was a Huckabee in the window seat, (laughs) and uh, it was her seat, but she she took the middle seat, and she told us of this, and she was was, uh, humbly proud of herself, if that's a thing. Um, And we were proud of her. And then I realized, I think after that conversation started, that must have been her flight to Miami. Yes. That is. It was a long. (laughs) Perhaps the longest possible flight you can have in the contiguous United States from Seattle, Washington to Miami, Florida. (laughs) Uh, And uh, Phyllis deserves um, a free cheese plate and so much praise (laughs) for that. So that's really mm-hmm. a hero move. Absolutely. Because um, it would have been very easy for her to be like, uh, sorry, but that's my assigned seat. And that's exactly what I would have done. Uh, mm-hmm. Sorry, but I yeah, they, you know, I need to be there. Uh, that's what my ticket says.
1: Yep. You know, Bobby, I think you're right. I'm, I just looked it up. And the longest nonstop commercial flight in the contiguous 48 states is Miami to Seattle.
2: Corner to corner. Yeah. Dang. Yep. Hey phyllis you're my hero uh let's move off of Skyjinks then and go to the top story which is that shark tank is holding auditions in philly and uh luke talks about a few of the possible inventions going on including something called the Abdominator. um yeah s- something called brewskets which are beer grain dog bones and then something called garbage pants which i looked up they are pants with a z and as far as i can tell they're just like wrappers that go on your garbage can so you can dress up your garbage can like there's one that has a rudolph on it for christmas and one with the easter bunny and one that's like for a party it seems unnecessary to me
1: Okay, I did not understand what it was from their description. I, I, so it's like a, a cozy for your trash can.
2: Yes, I think mm. so. I, I mean, I googled garbage pants, and that's what came up as a product. <laughs> but yeah, I it wasn't think, uh, cut off belted khakis. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm remembering that uh, I looked at like their updates on their website, and the last one was like in 2013 or something. So, I don't know.
0: Uh, at best, this is a garbage pencil skirt. It's only got one <laughs> hole. It fits snugly around your garbage can.
2: I uh, I don't have enough money to be wanting anything along the lines of garbage pants, no matter how much they cost. Uh, that gets them into trash talk and lid versus no lid on the garbage can. And I found that very uninteresting. Do whatever you want, regardless of the smell. And then uh, they talk about Andrew's uh, potential invention that he and V's have come up with, an app called Smack Dab that will allow you to, I said, like bundle your agenda for the day. If you're going to be in a particular part of town for a particular thing, then uh, it'll allow you to combine all your other errands into the most efficient locations in that area. Uh, Sounds like a fine fine app to me yeah i've wished for something like that before
1: like i want to go to four different places around town and i want to know the most efficient way to get there or i want to know which order i should do it so that i can get to a certain place at a certain time but the others aren't time sensitive you know that kind of thing where i could put in a time and a destination and then it'll route for me all those things and you can sort of do that with google maps but sort of not it's not as automatic as i would like Mm yeah I do smack it. It sounds like
0: a good idea. They need, you know, if only there were some web techie developer types in Seattle <laughs> that they could find <laughs> to talk to about it.
2: <laughs> if only there were some web techie developer types that listen to their show. Ah,
0: ah ha, ha. <laughs> I mean, if only there were the kind of people who would make a calculator to tell you what to bring to the LRB picnic.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> hint, hint. Um, So at this point, uh, Luke confesses to eating on Mike because Carrie had gone to get some some Starbucks food for them. Uh, Was anybody surprised as we heard the plastic container going, (laughs) (laughs) before that? I was like, what are they doing? But it was clearly the sound of plastic container opening. Sneaky, Luke. (laughs) Like that.
0: The yeah. only thing I had nearby was a pack of six by nine inch bubble mailers. But yeah, they have about the same texture as hard-boiled eggs.
1: The only thing that surprised me is that it took him this long to be openly eating on the show again.
2: <laughs> right. Was that the beginning of the year, I think? It wasn't yeah, in the year's but he did it. it I mean, yeah. he's, done, he's it. done it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, They move on to talk about Gary DiCarlo, who was an original member of Steam, who wrote the Nana, Hey, Hey, Kiss Him Goodbye song, He Has Passed Away, and they talk about, um, or Luke plays uh, the the song, and Andrew is a little confused. He says, is this the most famous version? And... uh, Uh, Luke says it's the version by the Nylons, which made me laugh because I have that version. And he reveals that when he was in Jesus Creek, he was actually in an a cappella group there and they sang Kiss Him Goodbye, which I thought was real cute. And then they uh, talk about the history of the creation of this song and how uh, Gary DiCarlo and I guess other members of Steam were sort of shafted by the record company who replaced them. Uh, when the song became a hit and they decided to tour with it. Uh, So that was a fun discussion, but I'm not sure what the larger application of it was. Uh, And then the final thing that they talk about in this particular episode is this court case in Spain. That's regarding the 2015 death of this 17 year old Dutch girl from bungee jumping. And apparently the instructor said no jump. And she heard now jump and the bungee cord Ugh. was not connected. That uh, sounds like something I would do. Oh, it sounds terrible, doesn't it?
3: Ugh. Like
1: as a people pleaser, just like, oh, he's probably saying go. I guess I'll just go. Just mm-hmm. <laughs> oh <my>
2: give <God. laughs> <laughs> me the willies. Yeah. And the court ruled that the instructor should have said, don't jump. But man, this is a hard thing to... Yeah. You, how can you legislate a misunderstanding, it seems... Especially in crazy. a second
1: language. Yeah.
2: yeah. I would say that the way that I would handle this is that you don't put the harness on the person until the other end is connected. That ought to be standard procedure. And mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't make them think it's safe to jump and they can't
1: tell whether it is or not.
2: Yep. Uh, Andrew's pretty upset about this, which I, I think we could guess. Uh, he says that he is, quote, mortified, which is another personal pet peeve of mine because I feel like... The word mortified is getting, um, the meaning of it is getting changed because mortified means humiliated and embarrassed. So I don't know how he can be mortified about this. I think he's horrified. Yes. Yes. Um, and they decide that they don't want to do anything where any kind of mishap pot- potentially equals death. So I guess they're never going to ride in a car again. Right. Exactly. mm mm-hmm.
0: My number one question with this story was, why is this a TBTL story? I mean, it's it's um, sad. It's it's not local. It's not quirky. And it was such a weird way to end a, a Friday yeah. show that was otherwise uh, a combination of funny and typical for TBTL. Mm-hmm. It just – so – I just finished this episode this morning. We're recording on Sunday morning. I've been a little behind all week. It's been kind of a week, as people know, for me. And so I was playing it in the kitchen as I was um, making a little breakfast, and Sam just heard this part of the story, and she just looked at me. She's like, why are you listening to this? (laughs) (laughs) That's what Duff says every
1: time he hears me listening to
0: Well, yeah, but she's used to the normal crap. Right.
2: Anyway. Right. Well, it was it was an end to the week. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. um, they get into music for your weekend. Andrew would like to remind people as far as Song of the Summer goes, please don't submit more than three songs. Uh, this goes back to, I think, an amazing rant that Mike had last summer about the Song of the Summer is that your Song of the Summer is a song that you feel is the song of the summer if you are picking half a dozen songs you clearly don't feel strongly enough about any of them for them to be your song of the summer so (laughs) let's keep it at least down to three and i think that's very generous andrew but anyway, the submission that we get for today for Song of the Summer is uh, was sent in by a bunch of people, and no doubt because it's pretty awesome. It's
0: by Portugal the Man, Feel It Still. Yeah, that's the right answer. I actually said that on Friday's show. I'm assuming that everyone was on the fence and then heard Friday's show and then immediately put it in, and Andrew saw a wave of submissions on Friday morning for it and said, well, this is undeniable.
2: Yes, I'm sure that's exactly how it happened, Well, and that's how it's
0: (laughs) going to happen with Techno Geeks with Spreadsheet. LittleRedBandWagon.com slash SOTS. (laughs) Uh, Luke chooses
2: Dr. Dog, Where'd All the Time Go?, and Andrew picks Jeffrey Osborne, the woo-woo song in honor of Amy Woo, moving on to Greener Pastures
0: with the WBEZ. Thanks, Amy. I think, yeah, WBEZ, whose slogan is... We remember to thank all of our donors. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And with that, let's do this very quickly, because we just did a whole episode on housekeeping, so I don't know that we need to do that much more. Check out the new merch in the merch store. It's pretty great. The Archive Project is coming along nicely. I think we probably were supposed to draw a raffle winner for the next Wagon Full of Loot today. Oh, we were. eh, It's a holiday weekend. We'll do it next week. Uh, amazon's com slash amazon earbuds and earworms next episode is about songs that would be weird to hear during sex or actually I think it was placed as songs that would be weird to have sex to so I can't tell if there's a level of intent there like it would be weird if you put this song on and it was your let's get it on track Mm. or you're having sex and then out of nowhere comes this song in which case I vote for a mariachi (laughs) band Um, I vote for Yakity sacks
2: (laughs) I vote for whoop there
0: it is (laughs) Uh, And a note that she Recently made the E&E Facebook group Earbuds and Earworms on Facebook a protected Group and I I made fun of her when she Did that because she first made it a closed group And I thought maybe we were all just going steady um, but it, <laughs> she did that because she didn't want people to share stories about weird sex songs in a way that it could end up on people's timelines and their families might see it. So yeah, now smart. that it's a protected group, you can post whatever you want there and it will only be public to the you know 90-something people who are in that group, hopefully more. Go join the E&E group if you're not in it already. It's pretty funny. Uh, so songs would be weird to hear during sex. And remember – Uh, send us your best of show moments you can use throwyourphone.com for those as well if you like the website's littleredbandwagon.com or throwyourphone.com facebook is littleredbandwagon and uh, the twitter is lrbpodcast littleredbandwagon at gmail.com 802-432-TBTL and with that uh, Meredith why don't you get us out of here
1: until next time this is the next party and we love you Jen
0: oh I was going to do that part that's okay Haha! Uh-huh. I did the last, nailed it. Uh, why don't you do it?
2: All right, then you have to do an I love you, Jen.
0: I love you, Jen. Nailed it. I'm leaving all that in so people can see how this happens. <laughs>
3: Out at night, whores, skunk pussies, buggers, queens, fairies, dopers, junkies,
0: sick, venal. Someday, there acid way will come and wash all the scum off the streets.